It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am John Corrales. Along with Jay King, collectively we're known as the Rain and Jays. Uh, lots to get to today. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, Audio Boom, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Glad to have you back and part of the show. Coming up, we're going to talk about Summer League. We're, we are recording this after their loss to the Cavaliers. Uh, but good performances to talk about from Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier again. And first, we're going to get to a topic, Jay, you might have heard a little bit about today. Russell Westbrook, kind of, sort of, maybe on the move. And the Celtics seem to be in the lead for any sort of Westbrook trade. Let me set this up. Let me set it up. Howard Beck from Bleacher Report, formerly of the New York Times, Highly respected guy, uh, not some radio board op at a local radio station. He is a legit guy who speaks to general managers across the NBA. That was and through shade, his channels. That was, that was throwing like some that? serious Subtle. shade. I liked how you so, threw some shade there. Through his channels, talking to general managers in the NBA, got the sense that they think that Russell Westbrook will be traded this summer before the season starts, that Sam Presti will not allow a second superstar to leave without any sort of compensation. And then those same general managers have the sense that the Boston Celtics are the most likely destination because they have the most to offer and have uh, a package that may be most palatable to... Oklahoma City. Not that anybody is reporting that they have sat down. Not that anybody is reporting that there are player names being exchanged. Who knows? But a very highly respected guy came out and said some very specific things. So here we are. It is mid-July. Just like we've said on previous shows, the signings have been signed. And now it's time to get into the trade part of July and the Celtics are hunting for their next star, Jay. And it seems like there is the most noise around Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's obvious why the thunder would want to move him because he's been rumored as a guy who wants to get out of Oklahoma city or would be very open to the prospect of leaving Oklahoma city, even before Durant left. Now Durant is gone. It's going to be tough to convince that guy to stay and play with Sam or Stephen Adams, I was going to call him Sam Adams with with Stephen Adams <laughs> and Victor Oladipo. Sam Adams is a future future sponsor of the show. Yeah, oh, definitely. Get the names right. <laughs> I know you're excited about the future sponsorship of Sam Adams that I've been trolling for on Twitter, 
but I'm sorry. I, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> so the, the, reason, <laughs> the reasons for testing the trade market are obvious. And obviously, the Celtics are sitting there with all their assets that they've been waiting to use, whether that's the 2017 pick swap, whether it's the 2018 pick from Brooklyn, whether it's you know Jalen Brown even. He, he's, he's a nice asset, too, and he's, he's played well the last couple of games at Summer League especially. So it, it makes logistical sense. Steve Bullpet from the Boston Herald came on, came with an article later in the day. I thought I thought his reporting was a little weird. Uh, obviously, he he's a guy to trust. He he's well well sourced, re- really trustworthy guy in the Boston market. As as tapped been around as any, forever as anybody about the Celtics, but he said they have expressed interest in Blake Griffin and Russell Westbrook in the past, but there have been no discussions regarding those players in quite some time, and that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, like <laughs> as soon as Kevin Durant went to Golden State. I assume Danny Ainge is like, hey, Sam, how's it going? Just wanted to let you know that we have a lot of assets over here. Just in case you want to get rid of Russell, hello, we can do business. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be surprised if they haven't at least had that conversation. I don't know how serious it is. I don't know anything about that. But, yeah, you call about Russell Westbrook. You see what's going on. And one thing about th- – his contract situation you know obviously he can make a lot of money if he stays with Oklahoma City and there are inherent the the team that has him has some advantages in that they can offer an extra year and and more money over a long-term contract but the the changing salary cap so last last week the the projections changed and it was supposed to be 108 million dollars uh, cap projection for next season, not not this coming season, but next season, it was it came in six million dollars lower than expected, and what what that does for Russell Westbrook, that that means his contract extension. If he signs a contract extension right away, his contract for the next three years could be very similar to one he would sign if he stayed with his current team and then signed a contract next summer. So what that does is it, it makes him more open to contract extension talks in case he gets traded. So I think that could be a good thing from a Celtics perspective. And, and it also adds another layer to the Jared Sullinger talks because when, when, we saw, when you and I saw that, that Sullinger contract, one year, $5.6 million, we thought, why didn't they try to keep him on that, on that deal, on that price for one year only? Why didn't they try to keep him? Well... Russell Westbrook's extension, if he signs it, would bump his 2016-17 salary up about $9 million. So if you trade for him, you need to have enough cap space to take in his contract and then another $9 million. So the Celtics have the contracts to to match for for his salary, and then they have enough cap space right now that they could clear enough, whether it's by keeping Yabusele overseas, uh, renouncing the rights to Tyler Zeller. They already have $3.7 million because they let Jared Sullinger go. Getting rid of John Holland, too, who's currently under contract. They could clear that cap space. So, so it's possible. I, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. But it's, it's not crazy to, to think that, that they're preparing for the possibility uh, that Russell Westbrook might be available. And and th- I, I thought that was interesting because when you put the Sullinger thing and that together, 
it, it might make a little more sense that, that they let Sullinger go and, and might need a little cap space for a, a trade, whether it's Westbrook or somebody else. Here's one thing for all of us to consider. By, by the way, uh, I'm sorry for me, boring everyone you... with, with contract numbers. No, it's good. No, it's good because that, that is important. We need to know these things because that plays into the mindset and, and that plays into what I'm about to say that we all need to really understand that whatever we're thinking, it's probably three or four steps behind what Danny Ainge is thinking. And it's not because Danny Ainge is some mega genius. I think he is a genius as a GM for the most part. But that's the level at which NBA general managers play the game. We sit there and we react to a signing or a move and then we think, well, maybe there's this going on, but it's just these guys are so good and this is why they're NBA GMs. They're thinking four or five moves beyond what we're even capable of thinking as fans, as analysts, as podcasters, whatever. But so, yeah, the Sullinger thing makes sense in the grand scope of all of this. And we're just realizing it. I'm pretty sure that those guys realized it months ago. So it, it makes sense. And as an aside, I kind of feel bad for Tyler Zeller because he's just kind of twisting in the wind here. And at some point, I kind of expect him to just say, you know what, I accept your qualifying offer, play one year for the Celtics under that money, and just become unrestricted next year. Why wouldn't he do that? So, so you feel bad for the guy who, who makes millions of dollars to play basketball? Well, I feel bad for him <laughs> in the context that a guy like, you know, he, he missed out on $80 million as opposed to $4 million. I mean, you got to feel bad a little bit for the guy like in that situation but yeah, I, I feel awful man. anyway back to russell <laughs> poor, poor tyler zeller a solid solid backup center who's going to make millions of dollars next year uh, we should all pray thoughts and prayers for tyler zeller man oh relax relax you know what i mean no, this guy could have cashed in this guy was in, had an opportunity to cash in for four times what he's going to make but anyway back to russell westbrook so the thought is that Westbrook is going to get traded and potentially traded to the Celtics. So let's say that Ainge and Sam Presti are, are talking for the sake of this podcast. What would the Celtics give up? That's the question that I'm getting all of the time on Twitter. People want to know, what do we give up? And the question becomes, there, there's two things in play here. One the Thunder are operating from a position of weakness that they know that he is going to leave. If they are shopping him that hard this summer, if, then they know that's because he's leaving and this is the time where they're going to get the most. The longer it drags on, the less they're going to get. So that's one. Secondly, from the Celtics' perspective, that pick, they've got two picks to offer. Next year's swap in a loaded draft in the 2018 pick. 
And I forget who it was on Twitter that said this, but it was a great point. If the Thunder are trading Westbrook away, they're going to be bad next year, which means a bad team swapping with another bad team in the draft, it's not as valuable. Well, here's the thing. You, they don't have to give up their own pick. It would still be the swap between Brooklyn and Boston, and the Thunder would just get the best of that. So they, they would still, be, in this theoretical trade, be able to keep on their own pick and maybe have, you know, if, if they're as bad as you think they're going to be, two top ten picks or, or two lottery picks. And then all of a sudden that is something to build on. That is, you know, two two great picks in a, in a, a what's supposed to be a stacked lottery. So, so that, that could be a big deal. Yeah, and obviously you're going to have to give up a lot to get Russell Westbrook. And the key, the key question there is, can you keep him? And I, I do think signing an extension, which would keep him for three years, would that, that, that actually, because of the way the salary cap is lining up, that's, that's actually a, a possibility. And I, I don't know how realistic it is. I have no idea what he thinks about Boston, although obviously the Celtics are set up for a sustainable future and a, a sustainably very good future. But if, if, you can, if you can get him to sign that contract extension, you give up a lot because Russell Westbrook is a top five player in the league. And he can rub people the wrong way. He can make some head-scratching plays sometimes. But that guy is absolutely electric. And he changes your team. And he gives the Celtics a different level of playmaking. He gives them a different level of shot creating. He, I mean, he, he, he would lift that team to an absolute other level and make a lot of guys more dangerous just because of how dynamic he is. So, and then on, on top of that, the Celtics have all these defenders, and depending on who you'd have to give up, obviously you might lose one, two, who knows how many. But they have a lot of defenders set up so that Russell can carry a lot of the offensive load, and then other guys can play defense. Uh, does he fit with Isaiah Thomas? Thomas can play off ball. It, it might be an ego thing, though, because we know Thomas has this chip on his shoulder, and we know he, he likes to be the guy. You know, he he had issues in Phoenix where they had too many guys sharing the ball. I don't know if they can fit mentality-wise. I, I think it would work on the court because Russell can guard twos. Isaiah can guard ones. Isaiah can play off the ball on offense if he needs to. Russell has plenty of experience playing off the ball because he played with Kevin Durant, who need the ball in his hands a lot. So I think that would work. Uh, but yeah, it's the mentality thing. So th- there are a lot of who knows what the offer would be, who knows what would would be involved in the trade talks. But th- th- if you can get Russell Westbrook, you go out and get him because he's the type of player you spend years building assets for. And when when one of those guys becomes available, you go and get him, and and you think about fit later because talent is is what wins in the NBA and and if you trust Brad Stevens as much as the Celtics seem to that then you you get him the most talented players and and you trust him to make it fit and make it work and Russell Westbrook that dude he is I mean (laughs) if he stays in Oklahoma City after Durant leaves he might average like 
like 37, 12, and 7. And and just put together an obscene stat line this year. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with Durant no longer at his side. That, that one year he played with Durant mostly hurt, he was just an absolute show every time he stepped on the court. You know, that that's one of the wild cards here that I think that Westbrook has a chip on his shoulder when it comes to stuff like this, and it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed in Oklahoma City just to win a championship just to spite Durant. Somehow, some way, to try to win a championship there and spite Durant, if they could somehow beat Golden State in one of these next few years, I can see him really, really driven to do that. I know he's an L.A. guy. I know he's a Lakers fan growing up. But you know what? Paul Pierce was a Lakers fan growing up. So that doesn't mean that you can't become a Celtic moving forward. So it's possible that he can go to Boston and stay in Boston. Uh, Another question that I've been getting a lot on Twitter is, can you do this deal while keeping Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder? Which is... Man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Can you trade for I, I a superstar think that, while giving up no one? <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And I know that, of course, we all fall in love with these guys. But the Celtics are in a position of power when it comes to negotiating. Can they keep one of those guys? Can they keep both of those guys? And you give up Bradley and Smart and Jalen Brown and some picks and, you know, Rozier and, and just a bunch of these young guys and just deal with it? I mean, is that is that doable? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. It's just the question that I've been getting. I have no concept of what is palatable in this trade because in a vacuum, no, you cannot do that deal without giving up Crowder or Thomas or hell, both. But... In a situation where Oklahoma City just lost Durant and they are maybe a little desperate to get some return and these Celtics picks are very highly regarded, you give up a couple of the young players but not all of the core. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself into it, but I think in a situation like this where Sam Presti is looking at the future and if he can get Jalen Brown and he can get a cut, the next two Nets picks, a couple of young players, maybe that's enough. Maybe. Would you trade Terry Rozier in a Russell Westbrook package? Jeez, I'd have to think long and hard. Like, <laughs> of course I would trade Terry Rozier in that. I, I Come on, man. Sure. He was, he was untradeable on. a couple days ago, man. Well, I mean, what we were talking about, we were talking about Terry Rozier for who? For Okafor. Uh, I even forget what the hell we were talking about. Okafor. Yeah, of course. I mean, come on. I mean, Westbrook's a top five talent. So, yeah, I think I'd be okay with trading <laughs> Rozier. I'd have to think about it. Let me sleep on that for a minute. Um, speaking of Rozier, let's, let's table the Westbrook discussion for now. 
because and, and who knows how realistic again it is. who knows how realistic it is that's what i'm saying there, and we talk about things that are out there because honestly it's the summer this is what's interesting the <laughs> trade rumors are, are awesome like i i thoroughly enjoy people think, love thinking it. about things that could never happen or might never happen and it, i mean it, it's it's fun to think about what they should go up for russell westbrook <laughs> what they would look with Russell Westbrook on the team. That's the fun stuff. Give me that stuff all yeah. day. It is fun. And and look, the, here's a little inside baseball. I've been blogging about this team for 10 years, and every July, our best months of the year, minus the championship season, our best months of the year have been July. That's the most traffic is in July. People love free agency and and these moves that can improve the team even when the team was good again minus the championship year when june was our best best month of the year it's always been july so but again to be real this was this was all started by howard beck talking about the feeling from gms it's not like danny ainge and sam presti have sat down and talked about it there's no reports of that there's no reports of player names being exchanged or anything like that. It's just the general feeling amongst people who run the teams, which is great, which is a great place to be, and it's fun to talk about. But reality right now exists in Las Vegas, and the reality is that the untradeable Terry Rozier has had a fun summer, and he continued to have a fun summer. Tonight he had another good night uh, going in uh, against the, the Cavaliers. He had 24 points behind Jalen Brown's 25. Jalen Brown had another great night. Brown and Rozier continue to be the storylines of the summer for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, and Danny Ainge was on ESPN2 during the first half, and he said he thinks Rozier has won a regular rotation spot. And... That sounds about right. I he mean, flat he, out said it. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. He's been really good. He's a, a cut above most summer league guards, except K Felder. K Felder was electric. That was a fun matchup, man. That was like that was a boring, sloppy game for a while, and then down the stretch, it was like Rozier versus K Felder just going at each other and pick and roll after pick and roll. A lot of fun play. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that matchup. Uh, but yeah, Terry Rozier, we'll talk about him because he's on the Celtics and Kay Felder is not. Terry Rozier has just been really good and he's just efficient. He knows when to recognize his spots. He's, he's smarter. He's, he's getting to the hoop. He's finishing, which, which has always been an issue for him. Dating back to Louisville, he, he's never been a great finisher. The fact that he is finishing and putting in tough shots over big men is huge, huge, huge. He is recognizing when to go to the hoop. He is putting the ball in the basket. He is hitting threes. He has done everything you want from, at this stage, somebody who will get reps at backup point guard and should take some of Evan Turner's playmaking responsibilities. Terry Rozier, I've said this before, I've said it a lot, he is just improving in all the right ways. Everything the Celtics have wanted to see from him, he's doing. He, he looked kind of not lost as a, as a rookie in summer league, but... Like, he had a whole lot to learn. He showed flashes, but they were just flashes. Now he's genuinely good. And and that's a big deal for the Celtics after Turner le- left. 
Yeah, a, this is exactly what you want to see progression-wise from a second-year a second year player who was drafted in the first round. This is the stuff that we haven't seen from James Young. And <laughs> look, James Young is done. I'm just done with James Young. They can cut him right now. But Terry Rozier has shown a very nice progression. Again, 24 points tonight. He's perfect from the line. He has shown recognition of situations. He has been able to get by defenders. He's been able to finish at the rim, get to the line. He's done everything that you want a guy to do in summer league to show you, wow, okay, this guy has potential. Now, we know it's not necessarily going to translate into training camp and the regular season, but he's the guy that Brad Stevens started to trust late in the season when there were injuries. He started to trust him in the playoffs, and we're seeing why. Again, Brad Stevens knows more than we do about basketball. We sat there and we watched Terry Rozier, and we're like, why is he out there? This is why he was out there, because Brad Stevens saw him able to play the game of basketball before we recognized that Terry Rozier could be good at basketball. So Rozier progressing nicely. We'll see where it goes. But again, he's going into just his second year in the NBA. He was a rookie last year. And this is exactly what you want from a guy who was a rookie last year to take steps forward. Now, his steps forward might be where Jalen Brown is already. Jalen Brown, with his athleticism, his ability to get to the rim, his ability to get to the line, another 11 free throw attempts for him, 28 in the last two games. 28 free throw attempts in the last two games. The ability to get bad, uh, get past a bad defender, get to the rim. Finishing has been a little bit of an issue, but getting to the rim anyway... Today, his shot was falling three of eight from three. I'm sorry, one of one of three from three, eight of 16 from the field. Uh, a couple of tough shots, a nice spin move and fall away in the mix. He, he did very well today and promise, nice promise from him. You hear Brad Stevens, you heard Brad Stevens talk about it on the podcast yesterday and, and Danny Ainge talk about it uh, during the, the game broadcast today. Lot of positive things to look at when you look at Jalen Brown. Yeah, it, it's like he doesn't even know how to play yet, <laughs> and he still went out and had twenty-five points, nine rebounds. Uh, I mean, he, he's just just a next-level athlete, and I mean, he up fakes, and it doesn't even take a guy to to jump at it. If if a guy just gets off balance a little bit, bam, Brown flinch. He, he's by him. He's shown nice spin moves. He's got strength when he goes to the hoop. He he he's not a great finisher yet, which is weird for somebody with his size, strength, speed. But again, you know, he's 19. Like Terry Rozier, he wasn't a good finisher. Now now he's becoming better. He's taking strides, and Jalen Brown has all the tools to take those strides. And one one thing about him, he seems like a tough kid. You don't get to the line that many times without without putting your body on the line, without going straight into guys. He, he had he had some awesome, awesome second jumps to, to grab his own rebound after misses in the paint and, and put those back up for buckets. He, I, I don't 
I don't know how long it's going to take him to be good in the NBA, but I'm starting to, to grow comfortable with the thought that he will be at least good in the NBA with a chance to be a lot better than that, depending on how he progresses. His shot is is really, really ragged right now, both inside and outside. When he shoots, it's like I, it doesn't seem like his feet are always doing the same thing or even close to the same thing, uh, which he'll need to iron that out. But, I mean, the the he has like, he has all the tools, like every tool. He, he can he can dribble. He, he can get to the paint. He can get by. He he explodes by guys easily, and he he's exciting, man. That that steal and dunk he had in transition, he, he just does a lot of exciting Beautiful. things. And you, you like, there's a ton he needs to work on. There's so much he needs to work on, but still, despite that, he, he's putting up he's put up some some really big numbers the last couple of games. He got to the line throughout the summer league. Uh, he does. He does just just a lot of promising things, and uh, like different types of promising things too. It's not like every time he does something, it's the same type. Like that spin move and floatery hit in the lane. It was just like bam, hit you with the strength, hit you with the explosion, hit you with the finesse <laughs> over the top, and you're like, wow, this kid's got a chance to be really good. And that those are the types of things that he does that, that make you really really buy into his stock for the future. Again, I, I don't know what he'll give right away. I don't know how, how, how much he'll be relied on immediately, but that kid that kid has a lot of potential. You can see why the Celtics were high on him after working him out a couple times and, and looking at all his game film, despite the fact that he, he didn't have like this overwhelming freshman season at Cal. Yeah, it, you hear Danny Ainge talk about it during the broadcast today where he said, Guys have a tendency to learn how to shoot in the NBA because they have more time. This isn't this isn't college. This is the pros. You wake up, you go to the gym, you lift, you run, you work out, you practice, and then after practice you get together with coaches and you can work on your shooting. And he depending on how the summer shakes out, we don't know. But regardless Jalen Brown's not going to be expected to carry a team like Ben Simmons is expected to carry Philly or Brandon Ingram is expected to carry the Lakers or anything like that. He's expected to come in here and develop. There are guys ahead of him in his position. So he doesn't have to do as much, which means he has the ability to to watch practice, learn, participate in practice some, but then after practice really get good solid specific workouts in where he's working on his shooting he's got shooting coaches they can work on his footwork how he steps into shots in different situations you know the spin left the spin right different things where his athleticism carries him through he'll learn how to be smarter about that but the beauty about Jalen Brown right now is his athleticism can carry him through as he's learning so, again, everything we talk about this summer comes with the caveat that we've seen it against subpar competition. But on the plus side, Brown isn't going to be asked to be competing against LeBron James or Draymond Green or the, the big, tough defenders at that position. He's going to be coming in against second units in situations where he will face some subpar defenders and not being asked to do too much, he can just have the confidence to go out there 
and do what he does. And if he makes mistakes, not a big deal. He's not being asked to carry the team. Other guys can do that. So I'm really much higher on Jalen Brown in July than I was in June. And you start to see, like you said, why he is here as opposed to other guys that they could have gotten. Now, let's talk a little bit. I want to bring Abdel Nader into this situation because we haven't talked about him at all. This guy's had a really good summer, I think. If James Young had the summer that Abdel Nader had, we would all be celebrating. We would have done a James Young only podcast because I'm it would have been at least the signal that this James kid is Young getting it. Podcast. Well, I'm, maybe I'm being a little <laughs> bit, uh, you know, there might be a little bit of hyperbole there, but we would have been a lot more excited. Abdel Nader has had a really good summer, and maybe that's against the expectations that a lot of people didn't know who Abdel Nader was before. But he is playing himself into the discussion of does, does he actually compete for a roster spot in training camp? Yeah, and I, n- I never would have guessed that. I, I thought they picked him at 58, and I, I'm, I'm sure they did, to draft and stash him in the D-League, play him with the main red claws, and then he kind of showed up at Summer League, and, <laughs> and it's just been a lot a lot better than, than people anticipated. And he's been better than James Young. I think he's been better than R.J. Hunter. And Nader, I mean, he, he's getting to the rim all the time. He's hitting his threes. He's, he's doing a lot of nice things. He's, he's really long, dude. He's 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 fun to watch. Uh, d- drinking that Nade raid, Jeff definitely drinking that Nade raid more than I expected. To. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we touched, on this a, Love it. We, we touched on this a little bit. James Young, he played seven minutes against Cleveland. Seven minutes. They were clearly trying to win the game. It was the playoffs of summer league, and he played seven minutes, including just one in the second half. He did not score a point. He did not pick up a rebound. He did not throw an assist. His his one stat nothing. A personal foul and and one missed three ball. I mean, it, it it's it, it's this is his third year. Look, he's probably fighting for a roster spot. He's done. And right now he he's losing the battle. If if he if he was on the bubble coming into this offseason, which based on what Danny Ainge said, it seems like he he was on the bubble. He is on the bubble. And he hasn't done much of anything to, to prove otherwise, that, that he deserves a spot on the team. W- what does he do for you? Is he a shooter? He's knocked down some shots, but it's not like he gets open all the time. It's, it's not like he's, he's coming off screens and knocking them down. Like He's hitting standstill shots that a lot of guys can make, and a lot of guys can make while giving you other things. James Young, it's been a tough summer for him, and this is his third summer league. It was time to show up, and he just hasn't done it. R.J. Hunter... Uh, Obviously, it's his, his, his second year. He, he he's had a sore wrist that he's been fighting through. I've been a little disappointed with him too. I, I I don't think he's taken many strides from from where he was as a rookie based on what he's shown over the first. What has he played? Four games, I think. Uh, you know, he still yeah. has that that nice passing. He's missed a couple, and, and he he still has that nice passing. Look, he, touch. He's missed a couple of games, and he missed the second half of tonight's game. He has that wrist injury, so I'm not willing to go down that same road. Uh, it's it's disappointing in some respects, but he is hurt. 
So I, I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass. Yeah, but but to me, to me, it's like it's the physicality that is is a thing that I think he needs to develop and still needs to develop. He he has really nice touch for the game. He he has a nice nice feel for the game. Rather, he has beautiful shooting touch. What what he needs to do, like he's had some some possessions at the end of shot clocks, and obviously that's not a role he'll be used to play in the NBA. But he just can't create any separation when when he's in an isolation situation. And obviously that's not the role, but I, I think that speaks to the amount of strength he has right now. And and guys can knock him off his spot. Guys can stay with him. He doesn't have either the strength or the burst to really get by guys unless someone's off the, on their heels already. And and that's okay because he, he will play a different role in the NBA. All, all they'll need him to do is be a spot-up shooter, play off other guys, be a secondary creator, and, and maybe he can do that. But he hasn't shown much else in Summer League. And as I said, there are other extenuating circumstances not time to give up on RJ Hunter at all, uh, but I, I did expect him to, to give a little more this summer. I think at this point, I, I personally now I know people might accuse me of being a little bit of an RJ Hunter apologist. I I like his. I would say RJ Hunter fanboy. Well, whatever people might say <laughs> that, but I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass. Because of the wrist injury. I mean, the kid's a shooter, and he has shown the ability to hit that shot. So I, I think that I'm, I'm not going to sit here and hold his summer against him. He took some hard falls, and he hurt his wrist, and it's, it hasn't been that long since the season ended. He needs to add some muscle. He definitely, definitely needs to get stronger. I like, I like his IQ. I like his feel for the game, and I like his ability to shoot. I think he'll be okay. I might be wrong. He may fizzle out. But I think the big takeaways from this summer are Jalen Brown's okay. And he's, his athleticism is, is way over the top. And once he learns to actually play the game of basketball, he'll be okay. Terry Rozier has taken a nice step forward. And if the Celtics need to make a trade, then... If they need to get rid of Bradley and Smart for some reason, that Terry Rozier might be able to, maybe not next season, but in a couple of seasons, step into their roles. So that's not bad. And other minor things that that have come out of the summer, we talked about Abdul Nader, who is at least getting into the conversation for competing for a roster spot. Gershon Yabusele is an interesting guy. I think he's going to be a stash for one year, at least overseas. But I like what he's offering. And then after that, we got to see. Demetrius Jackson hasn't showed a ton that makes you think that he's going to stick around very long. Ben Bentel hasn't shown a ton that makes you think he's going to stick around very long. Those guys could end up as the cut slash stash in Portland type of players. And then we'll see moving forward. So I think that's it. We talked a lot today. Uh, So that's the Summer League. And we'll see what happens with Russell Westbrook. We went over some of those uh, potential scenarios. But let's let Ainge and Presley sit down and talk about it. And we'll see what happens. I'm sure tomorrow someone will float another crazy rumor on Twitter that we will all overreact to. And we'll have something else to talk about. Until then... 
Remember, on iTunes, rate us, subscribe, Google Play, the same thing. Uh, when we post it on Red's Army or Mass Live or on Audio Boom, all of the subscription information is there. So subscribe however you want. Get the shows immediately as we post them. Give us a good rating so we can spread the word to the masses that the Locked On Celtics podcast is the best podcast out there. So we're going to wrap it up for now. We'll talk to you next time. This is the Locked On Celtics podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.